Okay, welcome to another episode of the Good Confessions Podcast, where three pastors and friends talk about one of the greatest confessions, we think, the Westminster Confession of Faith. Uh, Today, we're starting with chapter three, finally getting into the third chapter here of God's Eternal Decree. Um, This chapter is made up of eight sections, so it'll take us a while to get through the chapter, but we'll at least uh, get started uh, with this episode. Um, my name is Jonathan Cruz, pastor of Community Prez in Kalamazoo, Michigan. I'm joined, as always, by my co-host, Andrew Miller at Bethel Reformed in Virginia. How's it going, Andrew? Doing great. Glad to be here. Yeah. Good to see you. And uh, <laughs> Shane Bennett, just up the road from me in Grand Rapids at Reformation OPC. How are you doing, Shane? I couldn't be better because I'm with two of my best friends. Oh, that's so sweet. And God has decreed you to say that from <laughs> before all time. Uh Let's, let's dig in. Let's begin with section one and see, see where it takes us. God, from all eternity, did, by the most wise and holy counsel of his own will, freely and unchangeably ordain whatsoever comes to pass. Yet so, as thereby neither is God the author of sin, nor is violence offered to the will of the creatures, nor is the liberty or contingency of second causes taken away, but rather established. I'm sorry. I'm already laughing thinking at the uh, the idea of, that we could ever get to section two in this episode. Uh, <laughs> a lot of stuff, isn't it? So well, let's let's begin. What what is what's a decree? That's the the chapter title of God's eternal decree. What is a decree? What are we talking about here? Well, um, as uh, a wise man once uh, told me. Uh, when we're talking about a decree, uh, a good way to think about it is like a, a king ruling over his kingdom. And if a king says something like, thus saith the king, all children will eat ice cream uh, first before dinner forever and always. Uh, and so it is. And it's done. It, it, it's a, a, a f- what is spoken become comes to pass for all time, as long as the king is ruling over his kingdom. So Simply when we're talking- by nature of his, of his kingship, when right, says comes to because of right. his particular authority over that kingdom. So when we're talking about God's decree, we're talking about how he has final authority as king over his kingdom, and whatever he determines shall come to pass shall. Mm. Andrew, you want to add anything to, yeah, I was gonna to say that helpful that illustration? The, um, the confession is drawing on scripture here. You know, Ephesians 1 is this, I uh, just led a Bible study uh, the other Sunday night on Ephesians 1, 1 through 14, and it's just full of this kind of language that the confession is borrowing from, you know, that God has unchangeably ordained whatsoever comes to pass. Ephesians 1, uh, verse 11 says, in him, that's Christ, we have obtained an inheritance, having been predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will. And it begins there, blessed, you know, Ephesians 1, 3, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who blessed us with, in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him. Mm-hmm. In love, he predestined us for adoption of sons. And it, it goes on, according to the purpose of his will, to the praise of his glorious grace. So, you know, there, it's just talking about how God has purposed uh, and plan everything that happens in our world. And I, I think that's a great comfort. I know we tend to save the application for the end, but, you know, we're living in 2020 and COVID time, everything's crazy around us. Um, and this is such a comfort and assurance that it's not a surprise to God, that this is something that God planned out 
right. uh, before the creation. That nothing has caught him off guard um, because he works all things according to the counsel of his own will. You know, Ephesians right. 1, 9. Uh, even this was planned before the foundations of the world. He had it all mapped out <laughs> before anything came to pass. It's we're, exactly what you said, Andrew. Comfortably. Well, we're, when we're talking about the decree this chapter, we're really talking about everything. I mean, we, we don't get more expansive than this. Yeah. Uh, we're talking about how, how, wh why everything is and how everything is. Mm -hmm. um, and that's why, you know, sometimes there's language of God's decrees, plural. Um, you know I mean, cause, cause what we're referring to, there's a multiplicity. To, I mean, we're talking about every action that has ever been taken by man and all these things. Um, and even the, the confession or the catechism talks about decrees, question seven of short catechism, what are the decrees plural of God? Um, but I think it's helpful that the uh, confession has it in the singular. Uh, and even then the answer to that question in the catechism, the decrees plural of God are his eternal purpose, singular. So it's reminding us that even though we're talking about everything, um, you know, innumerable actions and, and um, events in God, they're unified. There is no division in God. In God, it is one decree. It's it's one purpose. Everything is working out according to one plan. And so, so I like this idea of it's it's a single decree. Yes, it plays out in a multitude of ways. But um, uh, God God's vision for the world, His will for for us, is so unified it can't be fractured, splintered off. It is one decree. Um, let's dig into some of the ways that the, this um, section describes the decree. We've touched on them a little bit. Uh, the first is that it's an eternal decree. It determines, it, sorry, mm. it defines the idea of decree in terms of time. God from all eternity did uh, dot, dot, dot. So what, what do we, what, what does that teach us? Well, you know, I'll take a stab at this. When, whenever we're talking about who God is, um, and you mentioned, you know, his eternal decree, we're getting, again, uh, there's so many touch points in the confession that we get back to the character of God. And the character of God informs everything that he does. You know, he cannot act against his uh, character. So, for example, you know, if, if God is infinite in knowledge, like we have limited knowledge, uh, if God is infinite in knowledge, then it makes sense. And it's actually a logical uh, stepping stone to say that in his infinite knowledge, and in his eternal uh, nature, the fact that he has no beginning and end, that he would have created this uh, back in eternity past, that in his, there's a combination, an outflow of these things. It's an outflow of his character. I guess that's what I'm... Well, and, you know, this reminds us God isn't just changing as he goes. You know, right. this, this idea of open theism that we've, I think, touched on before, that God is, is learning with us. I think the theologian, philosopher Maltman, had this kind of idea of God that God's learning, he's growing with us. And if you have a God who is doing that, it, it's different from this and what scripture says, like Ephesians 1, for example. Um, yeah, but he's reacting to the world. He is impacted by, by us and what we do. Do we really want a God who's affected by us? So just to piggyback off of what you just said, you know, so for example, when we think about Christ coming, going to the cross, uh, was that plan B? Was God reacting to what happened when he created the world? But no, we hear in Acts chapter 2 during Peter's sermon in verse 23, it says, Christ 
was delivered by the determined counsel and foreknowledge of God. In other words, this was the plan all along. He knew what was going to happen. And because he knew what was happening, this isn't a plan B. This isn't a mistake, but rather this is the way that God intended uh, it all to unfold in the course of human history. Um, the, the next thing that the confession says is not only is the decree eternal, but it, it was made freely, right? It's by his own will that he freely has ordained whatsoever comes to pass. Well, I would say that this is teaching us, uh, I mean, all of this is teaching us the sovereignty of God, right? The, the bigness of God, that you can't get bigger than him. And the idea here, I would say, is that nobody, nothing, n- nothing and nobody is forcing God's hand mm-hmm. to, to determine what he determines. Is that, the, you think that's the idea of this idea of um, by his own will and freely? Yeah, I think exactly, that's exactly right. And then it goes on to say, it's his most wise and holy counsel, right? That this, the way things have unfolded is wise and holy, uh, that, you know, which is just a wonderful thing, you know, uh, I was thinking about uh, Jonah and his anger and just how we need to submit to the Lord and his wisdom for us that um, even when things happen that are not the way we would want them to be, do we have the humility to submit ourselves to the Lord and say, this is God's best life for me. Um, this is best. This, this God is most wise and holy and I'm not. I don't know. Maybe I'm getting too specific here. No, yeah, no, it's I, good. It's because convicting. <laughs> well, I, it's interesting because this, again, when, when we talk about sovereignty immediately, I don't think it's just, uh, I, I think all Christians buck up against this idea of God's sovereignty. Like, well, no, he's not because I, I want to do what I want to do. Um, because, but what, what sovereignty is really getting at, what the decree of God is getting at is that at the end of the day, only one person has the authority over all things. And that person is God. It's not you. We, we don't get the final say whether COVID-19 actually is hitting America or, or the rest of the world or not. That's not for us to determine. Rather, we are subject to his will. And if we're subject to his will, then especially as Christians, we are called to submit to his will. So uh, moving on, we've learned that God, we've learned about God's decree in terms of uh, time. It's from all eternity in terms of necessity that, that nobody forced God. It's free. Uh, but then also in terms of permanence, right, that he unchangeably ordains whatsoever comes to pass, um, which is also an unspeakable comfort. The idea that, um, right, nothing can thwart God's plan or cause it to take a detour. And so that means when something that, I mean, we've touched on this in, in various ways, but just to put a fine point on it again, that means that nothing that happens, no matter how miserable it seems, is, is because God all of a sudden lost control of, of the world and now it's spinning. In. Mm. Um, and so that kind of redefines what we think about uh, or how we view chaos or things that seem to be bad or miserable or suffering that, oh, wait, no, this is actually part of God's good, good plan and um, not taking it. Yeah, Shane. Well, isn't that like what, isn't our natural tendency, I, I would call it a natural tendency to say, well, things aren't going the way I think the world should go. Therefore, God must not have seen this coming. God, God, right. we, we want to, we want to somehow either get God off the hook. So for example, in open theism, we say, well, God didn't, he's still learning as he goes. Uh, you know, when an action happens, he, he responds to it and, and he's learning constantly, but rather there's much more comfort in knowing that there wasn't a thing that he didn't foresee, that he didn't know. And not only that he didn't know, but that he didn't himself plan 
would take place uh, and in an unchangeable way. I, I just, I think of Psalm 33 when I think of what you were talking about, Jonathan, just that the counsel of the Lord stands forever. You know, it's not yeah. something that passes away. It's not something that uh, had a beginning. It doesn't have an end. The counsel of God stands for all times and for and, and beyond time itself. Right. It's a beautiful proof text, I think, for, for this whole section. Uh, def- but definitely capturing the idea of of the un, uh, the immutability or the unchangeability of um, God's decree, and you know, as like you were saying, Shane, some people think it's they're doing God a favor by saying, "Well, you know, he he didn't know about this, or he if he knew this was going to happen, he would have done something about it." Um, mm-hmm. But see, the moment what's so beautiful about this section in the confession is that it's capturing for us, as I've said, the bigness of God. And the moment we lose the bigness of God, you lose God altogether. If God didn't know it was going to happen, if he didn't have control, then he's not God. And why do you want to be paying lip service and doing favors for uh, some deity who has, doesn't even have control over your temporal decisions? We need his sovereignty. We need his, uh, his decree. Right. Amen. Let me read this quote that just t- speaks to the beauty of this idea of God's decree in terms of, of um, our salvation and the, un- uh, and the unchangeability and the permanence of this decree. This is from John Brown, Scottish theologian, famous for his systematic theology. He has a couple other books, but uh, from, from the old days where you referred to by the place where you came from. So he's John Brown of Haddington. Uh, and he says that if the elect were able to lose their salvation, this would be altogether inconsistent with perfections of God. For how can he, who is unchangeable, hate those whom he once loved with an everlasting love? Mm. How can he who is unchangeable hate those whom he once loved with There's an everlasting love? There's a lot of comfort. Love? There's a lot there of is. comfort in that. So when we say that God's decree is unchangeable, and we believe that within that decree is, um, is wrapped up our salvation, I mean, even not just corporately as the church, but even me personally, that God said his love upon me eternally before the whole world began, Ephesians 1 speaks of these things, then we know that it would be entirely inconsistent for him to have loved me with from before all eternity with an unchanging love to then um, detour from that course that that is going to terminate in my in my glory in, in the new creation, uh, the new heavens and earth. So yeah, I think that is a, a wonderful comfort to us. And um you know, I think I think discussing this decree is 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 going to be a good primer for for the next few episodes in this um, chapter. But I think let's 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 end this one here. It might have been a little shorter, but then we'll jump into um, the rest of the rest of this section uh, in the next episodes. So thanks for joining us, and tune in again soon. Right? Okay. <laughs> That's fine. Yeah, that was good. We got. We were like preaching today. We were like preaching. (laughs) All three of us. It definitely hit that, didn't it? Oh yeah. I mean, it's well, it's it's exciting. This is the sweet stuff. I know. I'm not going to be preaching probably with middle knowledge and necessary knowledge. But do you want to do this one? Tune again in soon. Tune again in soon. (laughs) Tune.